You're the most annoying person in the world. I know. Literally, me before the show every time asking you if you're ready and you saying, yeah, let's go. And then me hitting play and then you sitting there for 20 seconds in silence. What? What's up, dude? Uh, dude, I'm sick. Yeah, I can hear that. Yeah, I'm gonna be like sniffling throughout the show. So, so apologies week, in advance. So next week I'll be sniffling throughout the show. Yeah, basically. Yo, Sounds I'm good. on my I'm on my Donald Trump hype. Just count count the sniffs. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's a deep cut. <laughs> that joke kind of <laughs> went over my head for a second there. For all you uh, debate watchers out there, you'll get that all one. you Donald. Trump is a coke fiend hounds out there. Yeah, true. Yeah, that was like blowing up Twitter for like a night. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, what doesn't blow up Twitter for a night? Fair. Why is it so cold in the studio? Uh, really, we spent last week opening up talking about how this was a heat box of a studio and now it's freezing. Yeah. Oh, because it's cold outside now, so now they're just going to turn the air conditioning on here? That actually is how it works. That makes that, sense. That does make sense. That's actually... Literally from living in NYU dorms, <laughs> we know that that's how that works. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, what when was it? Sophomore year, where they were like, "It's not cold enough outside yet to turn the heat on," but it was like thirty, it was like forty-five degrees outside. But they were like, "It's too early in the semester to turn the heat on," and we were like, "The heat is not correlated with a season." Like- yeah, there's a clear disconnect here. <laughs> if it's cold, turn the heat on. <laughs> Uh, All right. Um, dude, what a week it was. Yeah, it was a bizarre week. But before we get into the weird stuff, I just want to do a quick check-in with our favorite teams because we're not going to really be talking about them for the rest of the episode. or We don't really have much of a reason to be talking about them for the rest of the season. <laughs> um, like I told you earlier, I've pretty much... We went to the Mets game on Tuesday against the Phillies, and they lost like 9-1 or something like that. And it was a Tuesday, and no one was there, and it was really, really sad. Yeah, it was like, what, did DeGrom make it out of the fourth? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, But we got to see the Josh Smoker early long relief appearance. Yo, that's my favorite part about the Mets right now. Josh Smoker? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how they play smoke on the water, because then I can sit there and be like, you get it? Do you get the joke? Yeah, you're really annoying about that. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah, the Mets aren't doing too great right now. No, they're not doing so hot. But two signs of, I guess, two bright signs are that Matt Harvey is back and Noah is, Syndergaard is throwing. Is Harvey being back a bright sign? <laughs> <laughs> I think I thought about tweeting this, but then didn't, which is like, this is a continuation of the you don't really care about what I tweet saga. Now we're just getting into stuff that I didn't even tweet. <laughs> didn't yeah, even just starts reading drafts. <laughs> I don't. I don't use drafts. Do you use Twitter drafts? No, I don't. Really I know use people Twitter. who like just don't tweet anything at all and just like save it in their drafts. I don't understand the point of that. Like, what if you're not there's going to tweet app. it? Yeah, there's a notes app on your phone for that. I'm. I type it up and I'm either like, "This is good enough to tweet," and I hit send tweet, or I'm like, "This isn't good enough to tweet," and, and I, I just delete, delete it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Matt Harvey really looked like a ghost out there. Like it was very weird watching him pitch. Did you watch? Did you see him pitch at all? Did you watch it? Um, a little bit. I mean, I watched his a bit of his uh, return against the, the Astros. Against the Astros yeah. um, he was I didn't, bad. <laughs> yeah, that was not good. And I didn't really watch his um, his return to City Field either. I mean, and he so he went like five innings, two runs, two runs one walk, one strikeout. Yeah, it was. It's kind of weird seeing him back out there. And his velocity was fine. It was like ninety four. It was like what it was in the season back from Tommy John, like before he got a little stronger by the end of the season. Like I remember him being right around like 93, 94. It just, he didn't look like he had swagger or confidence. He just looked kind of beleaguered out there, even though he was pitching fine, I guess he was getting, I guess a little lucky with one strikeout. You would expect to give up a little more than two runs, but I don't know. It just like his fastball was 94, but it didn't look like it had too much life. And he was just kind of throwing it low and away a lot. Like, he was almost afraid of, like, coming up and in like he used to, you know, like coming right after a batter to try to get a strikeout. His one strikeout, he did come up and in with the fastball, and he got a swing and miss. But other than that, I mean, 
he didn't look like he had the the dog in him, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's at this point for Mets fans, I think the the best thing is that he's back out there, right? And that he is in theory healthy and pitching. I mean, I think everyone can agree that he's probably not going to be on the team in a couple years. Um, but for now, I think it's a good sign that he's at least back out there and he's working. Um, when he was making his rehab starts in the minors, uh, it was very weird because like his velocity was like 91, 92. And he was like, oh, it'll just come back when the adrenaline comes back. Yeah, and I'm he, like, is this how your brain works? Yeah, like- <laughs> he, he's like, oh, I just need to get back to the major leagues and like the velocity will come. And it's like, okay, I don't know if that's how velocity works. <laughs> um, but for now, I think it's it's good that he's kind of working back up the strength. You know, I mean, he's been out for most of the season. Um, so at this point... It's really just about getting him back into that routine of pitching every five days and and kind of uh, you know facing batters on a regular basis and seeing him out there was sort of like seeing your ex and it's like it was <laughs> kind of weird. I just like it's like oh that's what he looks like like oh I was so familiar with him for so long like oh it just I don't see what I used to see in him. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's really sad knowing that we're not going to see the Matt Harvey that we. Uh, have loved and adored for yeah, so long. It's it's too deep of a conversation to get into for right now. Yeah. But on the brighter side, I mean, Noah Syndergaard is back and he's pitching in real games. He pitched for the Brooklyn Cyclones last, I believe, Thursday, right? Just a few days ago. And he didn't look great, but his velocity was fine. He said his command didn't feel very great, but it's kind of something that you get the feel back for. His, I mean, his command of his fastball has always been pretty good, but he has always had to try to get the feel for like his off-speed stuff, his slider and his changeup. So I think that'll just come with time. I think mostly it was just good to see him. I didn't get to watch like video of the game or anything and I, I wanted to go, but it, I just had other stuff going on. But I saw like the stills of him when I was at work at Newsday and just seeing his hair like flowing, his delivery, like I, I almost forgot what it was like. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I think that it's, I mean, it's good that he's working back from this. I'm I'm a little bit torn because the Mets are out of it, and that was a bad pun. That you're a little bit torn. <laughs> <laughs> Too real. Uh, I honestly I'm I'm I am a little conflicted <laughs> <laughs> because it almost feels like they should shut him down. I mean, if he comes back, he's going to make what one start, maybe two starts at the most i mean it's already we're coming up on mid-september here and he's gonna make he's gonna need at least a couple more rehab starts so realistically i think that the best thing for them to do at this point would be to i don't know what like what is he gonna he's not making rehab starts anymore though because the minor leagues are done so he's just so his next step is he's throwing a 50 pitch simulated game at city field so but what else is he supposed to do like is he just supposed to not play baseball till next season i mean what's the point in like bringing him back at this point i guess just to see that his rehab has gone well and how how much longer can you like delay the rehab process to the point where he's just ready and if he's ready then why isn't he out there pitching i guess but like with the mets luck this season i i don't know if there's really any point in in... that's fair (laughs) (laughs) once you said mets luck i was like yep i can see something very very bad going i don't know i mean there's no i'm like I said, I'm conflicted because, like you said, he's ready, so you might as well bring him back. But I don't know. It's like you're out of the race. He's the best, you know, when he's healthy, he's the best player on your team and one of the best pitchers in baseball. So is there any point in really trying to, like, bring him back for one start at the end of the year, which is going to be ultimately meaningless? I don't know. Yeah, but maybe it means something for him personally just to prove that he could get back on that timetable and see his body recover in that timetable I know like anytime that I've had any kind of injury in my limited athletic career it's like the first step is really getting out there and like trusting that your body is fine and if he can go through that in a game situation now and feel it and get it out of the way then at the beginning of 2018 wow I can't believe we're getting to 2018 yeah at the beginning of 2018 then he doesn't have to go through that mentally then I feel like that's a pretty good thing to fall back on like I'm anyone to Anybody who, like, tears their ACL, like, they always say, like, those first few games back, like, they don't trust it. So if he can trust his lat, like, at the end of 2017, then he should be able to trust it even more at the end of 2018 and shouldn't even go through his head. That's where I'm at, like, with this, 
personally, but I get what you're saying in that their luck is so terrible that you don't want to risk anything. But I think they'll just bring him back in like a token kind of way. Like Noah's back, like we're going to throw him like four innings and we're going to call that a start, yeah. even though for him that's not really like anything. Yeah, It'll probably be like he'll have like an 80-pitch limit and there will be there will be no reason at all to go over that except for the fact that Terry can't say no to anyone. Yeah, and honestly, you know what? He's going to put butts in seats, right? I mean, people will come out to watch his return, which I... clearly something they care about with Tim Tebow. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I I think there's validity to what you're saying. And with pretty much no other team would I ever bring out, oh, well, their luck is bad. But like the Mets, nah, it's a real thing. It's like a, a real factor that you have to consider in these situations. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to your team real quick. I know you you want to um, gush a little bit over the young guns. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really know how many people are even paying attention to the last place A's right now. They're like a bottom five team in baseball. Um, those jerseys, though, right? Yeah, those jerseys, those uh, gold unis. There's like a coastal masochistic connection between Mets and A's fans, I feel like. So it's only right if we talk about the Mets and their woes that we have to talk about the A's in a positive light i feel like that balances it out sort of like anytime i'm at a mets game i always see someone in an A's fan i just feel it man i feel that like cross continent connection with them no i mean honestly their situations are somewhat similar in a lot of ways just in terms of like having the tortured fan base with a front office that you scratch your head at so often and they play in you know a really big market but they're the second team always right i mean the a's play behind the giants in in the national media and the mets are always behind the yankees right i mean we ran into uh, an a's fan at that mets game right <laughs> and he was uh and he was bashing the yankees and the giants um so uh he was going off yeah he really was going off <laughs> homie was ready like he had shots on deck for the giants and their like ownership i was like all right word yeah why not yeah, the uh, the A's have actually been kind of exciting to watch. They um, they swept the doubleheader against the Astros yesterday. They scored 11 runs in each game, which against one of the best teams in baseball, uh, I'm not going to argue with that. And they are mashing home runs. As of a couple of days ago, it's like they're, they had like 200, which was their fifth highest season total in you know their the franchise's career. And you still have a couple weeks left in the season, so I think the highest is like 260, which they're not going to get to, but I don't know. We'll see, man. They're mashing, and they have some young guns. Matt Chapman. I know Two we, Matts, right? Yeah, Matt, Matt Chapman, Chapman Matt and Matt Olson. Olson. At the corners. Matt Chapman, who is already one of the best defensive third basemen in baseball right now, like by defensive run saved, is behind Arenado. And, and that's, that's it. Yeah. And, and that's in half the innings, right? That's wild. Which is uh, pretty crazy. And I Matt, remember seeing his name like vault up DRS like within the first, I think it was like three weeks that he was called up. Yeah. And we were just like, how is this happening? Yeah. In like a third of a season, he's already put up like 2.2 war or something like that, which like from a rookie, I'll take from it, anyone. man. Yeah, from anyone. Yeah, but from like, anyone. especially from a guy who made his season debut in, I don't know, June or something like that or July. Um, yeah, I'm into it. And, and you know, we talked about Matt Olson right before going on the show who has like 16 home runs in like 150 plate appearances. That's like a, that's some Giancarlo shit right there. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a 50 home run base. Yeah. Approximately. I don't know. I don't want to do the math right now, but you said 16 home runs. Yeah. Something like that. It's like a 60 home run pace, dude. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously that there's probably a lot of clustering going on there, but still like you, you can't hit that many home runs without having the power there. Yeah. uh, In the first place. And they called up Barreto and that's like the left side of the infield is pretty much locked up. And I don't know what Barreto's defense is like, but I imagine it's probably pretty good. Yeah, I mean it's all right. I think there's there's talk that he's probably going to end up at second base. Um, they have like they have Jorge Mateo, who they got in the Sunday oh, trade. Oh, true. Right? Well, then the whole infield is just locked up. It's infield you know what? In the future. It, it's uh, it's looking pretty good right now. I don't know. It's... Don't jinx it. <laughs> don't jinx it. They might just hear what you say and then trade everyone. That's so true. You know, honestly, I but I'm gonna take solace in these in these little things right the little statistical anomalies that are really weird and really cool and i don't know after a few years of pain and i don't know years of wondering what the fuck is going on with this team um it finally feels like there's like a ray of light i don't know it's been fun it's been fun this year so uh all right then that pretty much wraps up 
what we have to say about our favorite team since we don't ever really get to talk about them and it usually hurts when we do but this was relatively positive nicely yeah. done yeah this was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> when we come back some uh, quick reactions to the weird week in baseball So it was a uh, it was kind of a weird week in baseball. A lot of yeah. shit happened. We say that every week. Baseball is a weird sport. Baseball is a weird sport, but, but this was this was kind of an especially weird week. Like I kept getting alerts about like random stuff that happened that I don't know is like hashtag rare. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a couple items on the list that we're just gonna run down real quick. These are rapid fire reactions, which will probably turn into not that rapid of fire, but Yeah, there's an, there's not a lot to <laughs> react to necessarily, <laughs> but we felt that it was necessary to at least mention some of these things. Alright, first let's go. We're on the clock. JD Martinez, four home runs in a game. Yeah, what? I mean, I'm all for it, man. That's the second time this year it's happened. Uh he mashes. Wait, who else did it? Scooter Jeanette. Oh, our boy. Our boy. Yeah, our boy. <laughs> All-name team Scooter Jeanette. Yeah, uh, Jaden Martinez has been mashing for the D-backs. Yeah, that's... What? Yeah. This trade looks so good for them. Uh, incredibly. They didn't give up anything. Yeah, they gave up literally nothing. Yeah. Four home runs in a game is just like... I don't even know. I don't think I've hit four home runs in my life. Remember when Josh Hamilton came within like three feet to hitting, hitting five? five? Yeah, that oh, was wild. God. I'm pretty sure Pujols did that too. It's possible. At one point, way back when. But anyway... Probably. All right, next Not on the list. Rapid. Not that rapid. <laughs> All right, next on the list. Yu uh, Darvish, uh, fastest pitcher to 1,000 strikeouts. Uh, it feels like we're just going to keep bumping this timeline lower and lower and yeah, lower. Next like, week it's going to be fastest pitcher to 500 strikeouts. <laughs> <laughs> well, like once Darvish gets to 1,500, he has a decent shot of beating Sale, I would imagine. If he was the faster to 1,000, then he m- may be faster to 1,500. Yeah. It's just like the strikeout rate is just going up. Yeah. So we're just seeing more strikeouts. Yeah, it's just going to happen more and more. Because pitchers are better. Sorry. I mean, I feel like at some point we are going to hit a ceiling where, like, you can't get to 1,000 strikeouts faster. <laughs> um, it's going to be, like, 1,000 strikeouts in, like, 300 innings. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're going to uh, top off at it's some point. It's literally not even possible. <laughs> Yo, if you, if you had told guys in, like, the 1930s that pitchers were going to be striking out, like, 1,000 guys in, I don't know, 800 innings or whatever, they would have been like, no, what are you talking about? Batters would have been like, retire. Yeah. <laughs> Get me out of here. I'm done. All right, next up, Giancarlo Stanton, 54 home runs. Damn. Damn. <laughs> so most since Bautista in 2010 yeah, or 2010, yeah. He's, I think he's probably still going to hit 60, probably not going to get 63. It'd be a long shot. He'd have to go another tear, kind of like he did a couple weeks ago, and I don't really know if that's possible. Yeah. Just because if I was a pitcher, I would just stop throwing to him. Um, at this point in the season, Mark McGuire had already hit 63. Jesus, uh, is that good? Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we had a, a couple inside the park home runs this week. Very weird. I mean, the thing about inside the park home runs is that like it always requires some mistake on the part of the fielder. Yeah, um, either some mistake or like a weird hop that's not really the fielder's fault. Yeah, exactly. But uh, Michael Taylor, Nationals outfielder, hit an inside the park grand slam. That's wild. Yeah, that's pretty dope. You don't see that every day. No. Um, Michael Taylor, who has great speed, and um, I know we talked about stolen bases last week. He only has 14 stolen bases for the year in 99 games. That's, hmm. like, not very good. No. Noted Nationals fan and my girlfriend's aunt texted me having a gripe with the fact that we didn't mention him or Trey Turner when we were talking about base stealing because Trey Turner has stolen 38 bases in like 76 games or something like that. <laughs> something wild. And I was like, oh, okay. Mad respect. Trey Turner. Yeah. He still steals bases. He's one of the few left. Yeah, true. So Michael Taylor, he's pretty dope. Adam Fraser feels necessary to mention the other guy who <laughs> hit the inside the park home run, <laughs> even if it was just like a normal inside the parker. Sorry, do better next time. Maybe, yeah. maybe hit it with the bases loaded. Maybe move the runners over. The people before him should have moved the runners over. God, so true. All right. <laughs> this is our last one, and this is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> 
JD Davis came in relief for the Astros. Yeah. And apparently he he's a like one of their third base prospects. Yeah. And he was a closer at Cal State Fullerton. He sat like 93 and he had a filthy changeup and yeah. his K percentage was like is like 45 now, which is like would lead the league if he had qualified, but Yeah, he struck out Marcus Simeon and uh, Chris Davis. Chris Davis, yeah, on like a pretty filthy changeup. It's the second time he's pitched this season. I think he came in and pitched like a scoreless inning against, I don't know, like the Angels or something back in August. And now he's like, I don't know, one of the better relievers that the Astros have. <laughs> it feels like maybe the Mets should just get this guy. Yeah, actually. How good is he at third base? It can't be, he can't be more valuable to the Astros at third base than he is to the Mets at like middle reliever. This is such a freaking Astros thing to do. Like you have the best offense in baseball. So you just take one of your os- offensive prospects and you're like, hey, just go out and pitch for us. And he's like, good. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love that. God. All right, uh, let's move on. Our kind of rapid fire is now coming to a close, and we're going to talk about literally the most annoying and the most talked about story in the last week. I guess it was within the last week. It feels like it's had like a six-month lifespan already. Yeah, it was about a week ago. That is the Red Sox cheating with Apple Watches against the Yankees. The Yankees reporting them and the Red Sox saying, but what about when you did it? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, can't, uh, I feel like we're obligated to talk about this because it's like, how can you not talk about this when it's the Red Sox and Yankees accusing each other of something that's actually against the rules? But come on. Like, this is... This is just dumb. It was like a dumb thing that they were doing. Like, really? Apple Watches, that was the best you could come up with. Yeah, the the resident joke was they actually found a use for the Apple Watch, which is like <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. But everyone made that joke. So I figured I'd just repeat it. My favorite part of this was the Red Sox tweeted like an image of the Rays celebrating and it looking like two Red Sox players celebrating, like insinuating that they stole their celebration. And then the Rays responding by tweeting a zoomed in photo of the Red Sox version of that picture with the Apple Watch on the wrist with the... Just being like, uh, hmm, I don't know. Yo, we should do an entire episode where we just read our favorite tweets from the week. <laughs> um, yeah, this is such a bizarre story, man. Also bizarre is that like the New York Times investigative team like broke it. Like it just became a legitimate investigative story. Like what? They're so far out ahead on getting leaks from the Trump administration that they just like took a couple of days off and were like, yeah, we're going to focus on baseball. Yeah. This is such a bizarre thing. Yeah. So the story goes that like there was a, I think it was like one of their trainers was in the dugout with an Apple watch and there was someone affiliated with the Red Sox, I guess in like the clubhouse or maybe in like a booth or something like that who would like watch the game and like relay signs to the person with the Apple watch who would then relay it to like another player, like a runner on second or something, who would then relay it to a batter. Seems like there's an inefficiency there. It feels like that's not even possible. Like yeah. there are like five seconds, I guess it's 2017. So there are like 30 seconds between pitches. <laughs> yeah. You want to know what's uh, the other bizarre thing is that like, okay, so that's illegal. What is legal is you can have someone sitting in the clubhouse watching the game and then run to the dugout and relay it. You, if you think the Apple Watch is, a fish, is inefficient, someone literally running <laughs> from the clubhouse to the dugout, like it feels like by the time you've done that, like the guy has thrown the ball. I don't understand. And there's been some talk about this. Like they talked about this on the Ringer MLB show and on Effectively Wild. But Ben Lindbergh brought up the point like, are they just using it to like crack the code of the signs and then they're relaying that to the second baseman and then the second, not second baseman, the person on second base. And then the person on second base is then using the cracked code of their sign language to then tip off the batter. Still, it feels like how could you communicate a cracked code to someone on second base unless you communicated it to them before they even went out there and got on second. And then at that point, how are you even breaking the rules? Yeah. Because like, if you're allowed to run from the clubhouse in and you cracked the code by watching the TV broadcast, then what rule are you breaking? It feels like you just cracked their code. Yeah, I don't know. This is, this is such a weird situation, just like front to back. I'm not really sure the, the point of all this. 
I just I guess I don't get like where is the line from the MLB here? Like if you can actually watch the TV broadcast and then walk into the dugout, unless we're getting that wrong and you're not allowed to do that. No, I think you you literally are allowed. It's the only rule is that you can't have the electronics in the dugout itself. So you can have someone in the club. Teams have done that in the past where like someone is in the clubhouse and then like literally sprinted to the dugout and like relayed <laughs> stuff. I, that, I guess that just doesn't make sense to me because it feels like there would be people who could crack the code relatively easily if they were watching the TV broadcast. Like in many a game that I have been watching, you can just watch the catcher give signs. But the reason that you can't really relay that to the batter is that it's happening so fast. Yeah. And you would distract the batter by just like yelling like as the pitch is coming like fastball like that wouldn't help you because the ball travels like as fast as sound anyway (laughs) (laughs) so i I guess i'm just having a hard time figuring out how this really helped the red sox and i guess it didn't because they lost a lot to the yankees Uh, yep (laughs) my thing is like maybe this is like a relatively hot take but like i'm not really against this technology being in the dugout I, i don't see like why like, what about having technology in the dugout gives one team an unfair advantage over the other? It's not like one team would be able to have, like, better information. Like, they can both get to, like, fangraphs.com, yeah. and that would be, like, like they could both access a written version of, like, an advanced scout report. Like, I, I guess I just don't really understand how having, like, real-time communication really helps all that much, and maybe I'm not, like, maybe I'm just, like, this is an oversight on my part. And that, like, if someone could send something down from the booth, that would be, like, super-duper helpful. But I just don't really know how it would. Like, at the end of the day, you still have to make contact on a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, whether you're expecting it or not. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, I think I agree with that. The The whole reason that players and teams use hand signals is because when the game was invented, there just was no technology, right? <laughs> like, you literally needed that. Yeah. Um, and football has gotten with the times, right? Like, they use headsets um, to communicate and that sort of thing. So, like... There's been some instances in football where they were, like, stealing the signal for headsets. But for the most part, it's gone relatively well. You don't hear that very often. And there are, you know, dozens of football games every weekend. So Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's time for the MLB to update its stance on this sort of thing. Um, because I don't know what sort of edge that it gives the team the thing with the hand signals though is that how would you relay the signal to the pitcher on what to throw would he have like an earpiece in that feels maybe a little weird i wouldn't want to pitch with an earpiece in my ear no i don't think that anyone would want to do that (laughs) (laughs) and maybe you get used to it i mean like i don't know football still uses signals though like you see college like with the signs on the side i don't know to me it's like let them do their thing just don't get your sign stolen yeah well well i mean and that's the thing so in this instance like Theoretically, the Red Sox should be punished because they did break the rules, right? It's yeah. literally against the rules what they did. They're and not the MO- be punished hard. It's and gonna the- be like the Lakers no. five hundred thousand dollar tampering fine. Yeah, they're gonna be fined and like it's gonna set no example and teams are gonna be like, Oh, we can just do this. Like and they just like <laughs> write a check. <laughs> yeah. Th- that's the other thing that I don't know, the idea of like stealing signs, I'm not about to make like a spirit of it's breaking the spirit of the game point, but like I don't know. I just really like the natural ability of like stealing signs just because it requires like you know a bit of like um gamesmanship yeah gamesmanship and like thinking and like deducing like what's coming next or whatever like i don't know i really like that aspect we were talking about stolen bases last week right and how it's like it's like those mind games aspects of it a little bit um so i really like the natural ability of stealing signs and like the runner on second and you have to like defend against that right the catcher is sitting there mixing things up so i guess in that respect it's like just kind of annoying that the red sox are like we're gonna get around this and just use an apple watch like (laughs) come on y'all i get what you're saying but it sounds like they were just stealing signs for pitches right i mean i don't i never really got the benefit of stealing signs for pitches i never really worried about my signs getting stolen when i was pitching because like I don't know, at the level I was playing, like they weren't that advanced in stealing signs where they could relay it back to the batter. But like when I was stealing signs, I was watching the third base coach and we would do like a pitch out if we stole the steal sign. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of stealing verbiage going on here, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that would be, that's like an out, you know, that's like an almost definite out if you throw a pitch out and gun the dude down. Yeah. That feels like a little more beneficial, but I, I guess as we were talking about last week, they don't steal enough for that to really be worth it. And even if they did, it's like a 
it's like a pretty hard sell even if you like pitch out in the mlb like if a dude's fast he might beat it anyway yeah i don't know pitch by pitch there are guys who don't even really want to hear about stealing signs like they just want to go up there and have their at bat true although i think that there's something to be said for the definite advantage you get for knowing what pitch is coming. If you're like, oh shit, I know he's about to throw a curveball, you can just sit back and wait on that. So again, pitch to pitch, I don't think there's a huge difference that it really makes. But, you know, I mean, you do get a marginal advantage, however, you know, big or small it really is, however much it matters. I think to me, it would be beneficial if I just knew it was going to be a fastball or off speed. Yeah. Like, I don't want to like go so far where they're like, guessing about what kind of off speed and they're not really sure but it feels like your fastball sign is probably the easiest one to steal because yeah. you're giving it the most often yeah, and so it has to be the most routine yeah so it's either going to be that or it's not going to be that yeah yeah it's an interesting conversation definitely i mean it doesn't have to just be about like the technology and the dugouts about whether that's even really beneficial to teams and i'm sure it depends guy to guy i'm sure not everyone in the red sox wanted to hear about what signs they were stealing but it makes so much sense to me that it was Brock Holt and Dustin Pedroia, the ones that were like doing it, you know, like they were the middlemen just yeah. because they just seem like the guys who would be doing it, you know? Yeah. Ugh. Oh, fuck them. Dustin Pedroia. Scrawny white guys. God. Ugh. All right, so uh, let's move on to not kind of the minutia of baseball. Let's just get into the strictly wins and losses aspect. Yep, because that's uh, that's why we watch the game, right? <laughs> <laughs> Seems like our Dodgers are pretty bad these days. Um, yeah, hot take. They missed the playoffs. All right. Didn't they already clinch a playoff spot like, um, three I, weeks ago? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they already clinched at least a wild card spot. They could lose every game from now on out, and they might. <laughs> yeah, yep. I think they actually are. The, the Dodgers are literally doomed. All right, chill out. <laughs> I think for the Dodgers, it's just like the players who were like in the lower half of their order and like still hitting like 360, like the Chris Taylors of the world are just doing what they were expected to do now, which like still makes them a very good team and a seriously hard out in the playoffs, but they're not just going to like win every game at this point. Yeah. They're not unbeatable anymore, which is like in baseball, no one is ever really unbeatable, but it felt like there was a span for like two weeks there where they were pushed to the brink. Like it was like right after they played the Mets. So of course, fuck me. But there was a span where they were like pushed to the brink in like five straight games or something like that. And they like came back in like the eighth of the ninth inning and then would like tie it and like give up a run in the 10th come back give up a run in the 13th come back and win it yeah it was like these very weird like come from behind magical wins uh remember there was like a stretch in i don't know like july or something like that when they were like 30 and 3 or something like that and it was like it was like is anyone <laughs> ever going to beat this team again that's literally a college basketball record yeah that's like kentucky beating up on like weber state yeah that's ridiculous i you really can't make too much of the Dodgers losing, I don't think. I mean, is there a little bit cause for concern? Maybe. I think there's also just a little bit of, you know, wear and tear from the long season. It was going to happen, right? Like, they were due for a few losses, and they had been winning so much that, like, you know, maybe it's a little concerning that they've lost, I think, like, nine straight right now. That's not great. That's not what you want from one of the best teams in baseball, but they're going to be fine. They're going to make the playoffs. They're fine. Underlying this whole streaks conversation is my opinion that streaks don't really matter once the postseason starts. Like, if you've situated yourself to be the top seed and you have Clayton Kershaw, you Darvish, and Rich Hill going for you in the first three games, and then Clayton Kershaw, you Darvish, and Rich Hill going for you in the next three games, like, you're pretty set. I mean, you can lend some credence to the fact that a lot of baseball's playoffs is like who's hot right now, quote unquote, right? Uh, the Indians have a ton of momentum right now, right? And we'll get to them in a minute. So, you know, if the Dodgers I guess I have just don't, a, I don't know if I really believe in that, but continue. Well, I mean, however much you really want to believe in it necessarily, I think there is a mental aspect. Like, if the Dodgers play losing baseball from here on out, which, you know, who knows if they do, but if they really have a September where they're like 7 and 20 or something like that, I four think... 4 and 20. Yeah, 4 and 20. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think that does something to your mindset a little bit. Sure, yeah, but I think they're set. 
yeah for the rest of the season like I, I think they've won enough and they realize that ridiculous a level of talent that they have in their clubhouse that they're not starting to doubt themselves if this were the Mets I'd be like fuck yeah <laughs> I'd be like yeah this is not good like this is a bad omen like everything's gonna spiral this is gonna be 2007 all over again like but because it's the Dodgers and because Dave Roberts seems like a very calm cool and collected guy and Clayton Kershaw is Clayton Kershaw and he's gonna like if you have Clayton Kershaw going out for you in game one of the NLDS, like you gotta feel pretty good. I don't know, man. He he chokes in the playoffs. He's bad. He he can't get it done. He can't come through. That's so true. Yeah. He's a, not even good. He's really not that good. He actually he like went three and two thirds the other day, like four runs or something. Yo, listen to this. Kershaw for Steven Matz and Rafael Montero straight up. Who says no? Um, probably the Mets. I mean, Montero with the way, is, with the main mon- way Montero's been pitching. Montero is gonna win the Cy Young next year. Uh, yep. He's like a two FIP. Does he? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The Dodgers FIP is like seven. <laughs> the Dodgers are gonna be fine. They're what's wild about this is that they're on this massive losing streak, and everyone's like, "The Dodgers, what's happening? To the Dodgers, what's going on?" And they're still gonna win a hundred games easily. Yeah, like they're gonna cakewalk to a hundred games. Yeah. And even if they don't, it's not like it's not like anyone was predicting them to win 110 games before the year. So they've still outperformed what y'all thought they were going to do before the season. Yeah. So whatever. All right. On the converse of that are the Indians and the D-backs. So the D-backs, just really quickly, have made up nine games on the Dodgers and are still like 11 games back. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. The D-backs, <laughs> the really good D-backs who just went on like a 13-game winning streak or something like Without that. Without Paul Goldschmidt for a part of it. Yeah, um, are yeah they're tearing it up. I mean they're gonna make it to the playoffs. Obviously they're gonna snag a wild card spot. They're really good. They're like looking really set for the playoffs. They are a formidable baseball team. Yeah, especially since Robbie Ray is back and he looks good and his peripherals are finally translating. Like for the past few years, he like his ERA has been very high and his FIP has been a little lower because he strikes out a lot of guys and his walks are kind of bad. But this year he's been a little better. So. With yeah, a one-two punch in the playoffs, like you can do some damage. Like you can give a team trouble. Like if you can have a really good outing from Zach Greinke, and he can sort of offset what a guy like Clayton Kershaw can do, and then Robbie Ray goes out there and strikes out thirteen guys over seven innings, and suddenly like you Darvish doesn't have a great start. Suddenly you're relying on Rich Hill to climb you out of the hole, and who knows with Rich Hill and his pitch count and his blisters and. He could have a bad outing or he could just not go deep enough and then suddenly, like, shit. Yeah. Everything we just said about the Dodgers now doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it. there is the fact that, like, the Dodgers pitching is arguably deeper than any other teams right now. I mean, they have Alex Wood, too, right, who's been all he's near. Been, he's been struggling, though. He's been struggling a little bit. But, like, overall in the year, he's been pretty dominant. I think Brandon McCarthy's hurt or something. Yeah, but like your fifth and sixth starters don't help you once you get to the playoffs. No, but, you know, if Alex Wood comes in and you need him to make a start, I would feel comfortable with that. Or if you, you know, put him in long relief, that's a pretty valuable role for him. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to hedge towards the Diamondbacks in a series with the Dodgers. I'm just saying they've sort of proven that they now can give them trouble. I mean, this Dodgers team is, I guess it's... The 2015 Dodgers team was pretty loaded as well. And Kershaw made two starts in the NLDS, and so did Zach Greinke. And they now have Rich Hill and Yu Darvish, but they lost Greinke. And Greinke that year had like a, I don't know if you remember, but like a 180 ERA. Yeah. So I would say that's sort of a wash between him and Darvish, and now they've just added Hill. And I can't recall who their third starter was that year, but the Mets kind of beat up on him. But still, like, the Mets had to face... Kershaw and Granke both twice, and they still won that series. So, I don't know. I wouldn't totally put it past the Diamondbacks. I really wouldn't either. I mean, you know, the playoffs are always a toss-up, right? I mean, the teams that are good enough to make it there are good enough to win any one of these series, right? It, we've, I mean, it's so rare that the best team in baseball actually wins out. The yeah. Cubs did it last year, but looking like historically speaking, it's, you know, more often than not, the best team in baseball does not win the World Series that year. Yeah, because uh, it's matchup based. Yeah, it's totally matchup based. And again, it's like it's a lot of it does come down to like streakiness, right? If you 
if you're a good streaky team in the playoffs, that means a whole lot. Even if you're not on paper the best team in baseball, if you can string together a few wins and have a couple bounces go your way, I don't know, man. All right, let's uh, switch gear and go to the AL side where the Indians will never lose ever again and it will be 2030 and they will have won 8,000 straight games. Yep, and baseball has disbanded. Yeah, it's kind of like the Warriors. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Damn, 17 straight. That's uh, only topped in the AL by the 2002 A's, right? The Moneyball A's? Yeah, Which and so now part part of me is like, damn, this Indians team's hella good. And part of me is kind of like, Lose. Kind of hope they lose one. Lose. So the A is going to hold on to this. <laughs> Just leave me with this, please. I know. That's like the one of the one relics of my A's childhood. Um, yeah, I guess we kind of were old enough by the, by that point, yeah. 2002, to what's, really appreciate yeah. it. What's wild is that like the A's broadcast and like in the stadium and stuff, it's the 15-year anniversary of that streak. So they've been doing a ton of stuff. Um, like celebrating the streak and like highlights from it, like throughout the like the last month or so, and now the Indians are to come through and be like, nah, fuck that, fuck that, <laughs> win twenty five straight or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Indians, good baseball team. Takeaways from this streak? They're pretty, other than that, they're pretty, pretty. I guess good. They're a good base- baseball team. They're a good baseball team. Hashtag <laughs> analysis. Um, I don't know. What can you really take away from something like this? I mean, we knew that they were good, right? There's oftentimes a lot of luck to winning, you know, 17, 20 games in a row. I mean, it means that you're a good baseball they team. They won back-to-back doubleheaders. Yeah, that's... In different cities. That's wild. <laughs> I mean, what does this say about your team other than you can, you just know how to perform under pressure and you can, and that you're good, right? Obviously like, they can perform under pressure. They went to the World Series yes. and they took the Cubs to seven games. Yeah. And they Damn near one. Yeah. And they very well could make it to the World Series again this year. Yeah. So I think my biggest takeaway from this streak that they're on and really a takeaway from their whole season, but it's just coming to light a lot more because of this streak is that their starting pitching is for real and it is what we thought it was. And the fact that they're going into this playoff run fully loaded as opposed to last year when they were missing a lot of guys and then had a really bizarre incident in the World Series where Trevor Bauer got attacked by a drone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so upset we didn't have this podcast back then. True. That their starting pitching is for real. So say what you will about like what you prefer going into the playoffs, but if it's a starting rotation, they have arguably the best one other than maybe the Dodgers. If it's a stacked lineup, like it looks pretty good in the streak. Like yeah. they're they're hitting the ball, they're hitting the cover off the ball right now. If it's a bullpen that can get you five innings when you need it, when the starter just doesn't get the job done, Terry Francona has proven he can get that out of his bullpen and Andrew Miller is gonna come back into form and Andrew Miller is still the best reliever in baseball. Yeah. So what do you want? The Indians have it. Yeah. Honestly, Corey Kluber is probably not going to win Cy Young this year, but if it came down to a one game playoff and you were asking me who I wanted to pitch in that one game, I very well might pick Corey Kluber just because he is a horse, man. I mean, in every game, it's almost certain he's going to go out and pitch at least seven innings and strike out 10 guys and give up, you know, maybe two runs. I mean, keep a straight face through it all and keep a straight face through it all. Chris Sale is dominant, but he also like will have a weird start here and there when he just like gets crushed and gives up like seven runs or something like that sometimes he has weird starts where teams just get like dumb lucky against him yeah and i don't understand i can't understand it when i'm watching it it doesn't make sense to my eyes my eyes are sending signals to my brain that my brain is just like no like that should he just threw you a slider that's about to hit your back foot and you hit it for a double down the line like Corey kluber's been like one of the best pitchers in baseball in the last three or four years right former cy young winner and Speaking as someone who owns him in a fantasy keeper league over yeah, there. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> He's saving your team. I don't know, man. He feels like someone who would just not be phased by the bright lights and the big pressure. So I still would probably take Kershaw because he's the one of the best pitchers ever and definitely the best pitcher that I've watched extensively. But I see what you're saying. He's pretty damn good. Yeah. So that's awesome. And, and then, like Carlos Carrasco? Yeah ridiculously good also yeah and mike clevenger who's like their rookie pitcher has been dominant as well in you know in his own right and they got like i don't know danny salazar and trevor bauer i think he's been all right this year so he's been uh i don't know but if he's your fourth best starter going into the playoffs like you're pretty good 
Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, I like this team. They're so good. And they're fun to watch, too. Guys like Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. So fun to watch. So fun to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Edwin Encarnacion. Oh, man. I'm so glad he's on this team now. Remember, we had the episode where we talked about our favorite people to hit home runs or to watch hit home runs. And if I can watch him hit home runs in October, like, that would be amazing. Yo, Jay Bruce is going to get a World Series ring. <laughs> Yo, I forgot about him. Yeah. Damn, they're my new squad. I was rooting for them last year because I hate to break it to Cubs fans, but I was rooting for the Indians to win the World Series because I was rooting for the year of Cleveland. Hashtag year of Cleveland. It didn't turn out that way, and I'm very happy for the Cubs to break that <laughs> horrible, horrible streak that they were on. But yeah, I, I it would be a nice redemption story if they made it back. It would kind of be like the we would be in the decade of redemption stories for baseball teams like the the Royals did it (laughs) and now the Indians would have done it it's just like not a very thing that you see very often like in history but if they could get back and sort of redeem the universe wanting the Cubs to win the World Series last year because of like that crazy rain and then like the them rallying behind Jason Hayward's speech like it feels like the Indians got one stolen from them yeah if we're being honest like yeah the gods wanted the Cubs to win so it would be cool if the Indians could make it back and they would be my pick to come out of the AL. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, when we come back, sadly, it won't be the Tim Tebow Power Hour anymore, <laughs> but uh, we're going to have Taking All the Way for you. Oh, yeah. Some hot takes. Yo, we're back, taking all the way. Oh, yeah. It's been two weeks, and the first time we did it, we were working remotely, coast to coast. So it'll be nice to see my face when you throw some crazy hot takes. Like, you should have seen my face when you threw that um, (laughs) Rockies to the World Series. (laughs) Damn, I was really caught off guard. Yeah, well, we never really discussed, like, how hot we were doing these takes. So it was like, (laughs) are we doing, like, you know, somewhat realistic uh, expectations or... um, or like, nah, coming out strong, the shit's gonna like melt the world, hot take. That's not fun. Yeah. Because then it's just like, then I could say like, Rafael Montero for the Cy Young next year or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point of the hot take, right? Is like, sliver of truth in there with like, you know. Is probably... there a sliver of truth in that? Rockies? I mean. No, 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 Montero. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rockies, yeah. There's a sliver of truth there. Yeah. That, that sort of thing that's like, Probably definitely not going to happen, but like, could it? Trevor Story oh, hit a home run yesterday. Did he? His 20th of the year. Maybe that'll start something. Yeah, we'll see. Sees that 20, a round number. Maybe he just goes on a crazy streak like he did when he first came up. I don't know, man. People sleep on the Rockies just because like they play in Colorado. I don't know, man. I like the Rockies. I wouldn't mind them winning a little bit. I don't really care who wins this year. None of my none of the teams that I hate are really in the hunt. Yeah. I don't know. And we just have a lot of the young. Royal, yeah, the Royals are out. The yeah. Giants are out. The Phillies are out. I guess I don't really hate the Yankees. I just hate their fans. Yeah. I don't hate the Red Sox as much as everyone does. Like, it's pretty cool. It's going to be a fun postseason to just sit back and enjoy, I think. Yeah. Without a rooting interest, which is like, <laughs> I've had that for the last two years. And <laughs> while I am thankful for that, it's caused a lot of stress in my life. All right. Uh, first hot take. Hit me with it. Came into face Cespedes last night and gave up an RBI double to him. And Cespedes taking all the way on the first pitch. It's a strike. So my takes this week are uh, brought to you courtesy of the artist formerly known as the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all going to be about the Angels. So my first take is the Angels are getting to the NLCS. <laughs> ALCS? Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> well, it would be a really hot take if they were going to go to the NLCS. <laughs> Mid- mid-season <leagues>. change. <laughs> yeah. Um, first take, they're going to the ALCS. Um, kind of in your vein of the Rockies are going to the World Series, except right now the Angels aren't even in position to that's like a get really, a That's like a spot. really hot take. <laughs> Listen, I yeah. like their squad, man. Yeah? Do I you? like their squad. This is mostly just I want to see this because I want to see Mike Trout play in two full postseason series and i would love if the angels were gonna win a, the alds they would have to have a ridiculous performance from mike trout you feel like so to watch that in october would be absolutely enthralling in my opinion to just finally see 
the better part of the country witness the best player in baseball, arguably a top three player of all time, do what he does best, which is hit doubles, home runs, make ridiculous plays in the outfield, do everything perfectly. Um, yeah. You know what? I'm I'm all here for it. The, it's not going to happen. We, we got to talk about that pitching staff <laughs> because I was trying to think of who their number one guy has been for the year, and I genuinely, like, couldn't name a single one of their guys. I went and pulled up their depth chart, and I'm like, oh, Ricky Nolasco. That's right. Oh, God. <laughs> Garrett Richards, who in theory is good Ricky enough. Ricky Nolasco. The first thing that comes to mind when you say Ricky Nolasco is like, his name kind of sounds like Tabasco. <laughs> <laughs> nothing else. Nothing baseball related. Two, in theory, of their better pitchers, Garrett Richards and Andrew Heaney, like, have pitched a combined, like, 30 innings this year. Yeah, and I think what we were talking about was that Andrew Heaney's ERA is, like, seven. Yeah, and his, his FIP is, is, like, nine. nine. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man. I don't know. It it would be a miracle, but, like, there was that movie Angels in the Outfield, right? There was that movie. <laughs> you can't deny me that. That's true. All right, give me your take. I don't want to talk about the Angels pitching staff anymore. Hot take, Brewers win the NL Central. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hear it. I don't really have a ton to back this up with. I just you got just, feeling. You got heart. I, I got some feeling. I don't know. I feel like now. Uh, let me preface this with the fact that Jimmy Nelson, who has been their number one this year and one of the more valuable pitchers in Sounds baseball, like a folk singer. he's been like. I think he was like he's like top ten in WAR in pitching WAR in on the year. What um, is out for the rest of the season? So Rip. that feels like that kind of hurts their chances a little bit. <laughs> but I don't know. I just. I, as the black eyed peas say, I, I got, got a, a feeling. feeling. <laughs> you know, it only takes a couple bounces, uh, a couple bad hops for the Cubs to lose a few games, and and they're playing them this weekend. And the Brewers routed the Cubs yesterday, fifteen to two. That's not indicative of anything regarding their overall talents, but I think the Brewers could crawl. To I mean, the, the A's aren't more talented than the Astros. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think the Brewers could sneak in. It's it feels like kind of a toss up at this point. And like, you know, they were dominant in the first half, and the Cubs were pretty sluggish. And the Brewers have like kind of managed to hang in there a little bit. So it just wouldn't surprise me if they made their way to the top of the division, managed to hang on. All right, it's not gonna happen, but respect. <laughs> uh, After here. each one of our hot takes, we're gonna be like, yeah, it's not gonna happen, but like that'd be fun. <laughs> Uh, this is mostly just stuff that we think would be fun. Yeah. All right. Um, my second hot take is there's really nothing to say about this other than just the plain fact of it. Uh, Mike Trout is going to be worth 6.9 more this year. Uh. <laughs> You're groaning, but you've made like, you've arguably made more 420 and 69 jokes than I, I have in this podcast. I know. All right. Uh, your second. I literally don't oh, have anything else to say about it. <laughs> He's at 6.2 right now. There's like 20 games left. It feels like the right number to me. Yeah, sure. Why not? He's a goat, man. He's got it. He's got it on lockdown. Once he gets to 6.9, he's just going to sit out the rest of the season. <laughs> Yo, it's pretty wild that we've had a podcast now for like about a month and a half and have mentioned Mike Trout's name like maybe twice. At most. It's it's kind of weird because the thing is like he doesn't really stand out necessarily. Like overall, he stands out as one of the best players to ever play the game. But like on a day-to-day basis... You don't. He goes two for five with a double and a single. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, oh, that's just natural. That's just like what he does. Whatever. It's like the natural order of the universe. Yeah. So, which is why the natural order of the universe should propel him to finish with six point nine WAR. That's fair. All and right. Maybe I don't know. What's his OBP? Four twenty OBP. True. That'd be nice. Yo, that's ba- like that's the golden numbers. Yeah, baseball gods make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take two. All right, this one actually is probably a little too hot. But uh, oh, I'm ready. It's cold in the studio. Heat it up. <laughs> Byron Buxton finishes top five in AL MVP voting next year. All right. <laughs> I don't hate it. I probably really unlikely because um, he's still going to have some growing pains. But this feels like the year that we've finally started to see what all the hype is about. Like he's already had a couple seasons where he's come up and been really underwhelming, hit like 200. They demote him back down to the minors, and he like tears it up there. Um, and then finally, in the second half of this season, has like started to put it all together. Um, in the second half, which, you know, granted is only 39 games, but he's hitting 312, nine home runs, nine stolen bases. It's like 150 plate appearances. 
So again, it's it's not fair to just be like, well, over a full season, he'll go forty forty. Um, <laughs> but I, combined with his stellar forty forty, Byron Buxton put me in that world. Why not? It's like Matt Kemp, circa two thousand twelve or something. Rip. Honestly, but like he has stellar defense and incredible speed. Uh, top five MVP voting, maybe not, but like I could see him hitting. I don't know, two ninety. 25 home runs and like 40 or 50 stolen bases with gold glove defense. It's a pretty on, damn good year. On a team that's like, you that's know. It's like a seven warrior. On like a team that's vying for a playoff spot. I'm all here for it, man. Byron Buxton, another guy. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Oh, he's so much fun to watch, <laughs> man. <laughs> he's really good. I'm here like, for the I'm here for the Young Buck twins. Oh, yeah. They're kind of fun. They're so much fun. Um, all right, Byron Buxton, top five. Yeah. I will uh, write that one down, and I'll let you know how it goes next year. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like retweeted out my beginning of the year Robert Gesellman take the other day, Ooh. which was like he finishes top three Mets pitcher by the end of the year, and like he almost has, but Somehow? it's certainly not because he's been good. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit, man. Why you gotta do that? I know. Take three, Mike Trout. We're back to Mike Trout. Oh, again. Yeah, Mike Trout again. Mike Trout. Could have pretty easily won the Heisman if he was an NCAA <laughs> football running back. If he had just chosen to play football, he could have won the Heisman. <laughs> if he like went to Stanford, he could have been like Toby Gerhardt or like Christian McCaffrey before Christian McCaffrey. You know, I'm I'm not even gonna argue with that. Like it that feels dude, like definitely right. That guy is built for that thing. Yeah, he would have been perfect, yeah. but he made the 100% right decision to play baseball because. Obviously, he's amazing at baseball, and why would you play football if you didn't have to? Yeah, basically. You just die slowly on a week-to-week basis? I guess we all kind of are dying slowly on a week-to-week basis. True, but that's one of the benefits of baseball is that you're not killing other people. And usually you have your brains left. Yeah. Although, Lenny Dykstra. (laughs) (laughs) There's always that guy. All right, uh, what's your third take? This one might be a little unfair because it's a bit of homerism, but I think the A's make the playoffs next year. Ooh. Yeah. That's fun. They've... uh, Worst to third? Worst to, yeah, second or third. I don't (laughs) know. I think they could... As we've seen with the AL wildcard race this year, you're like, unless you're playing 400 baseball, you're never really out of it. And the A's have had a lot of young guns come up and show they can actually get something done. I think it'll take a bit of revamp, revamping to their pitching staff, which has been pretty atrocious this year. But they have like six haven't guys. Haven't seen the step forward from a lot of the guys that you want to see that no, step forward like Jarrell from. Cotton, that's which is like a little problematic, but they have the stuff. Yeah, they. I think that all the talent is there. They have six guys who like could potentially hit thirty home runs, which is pretty impressive, given that in twenty fifteen they didn't have a single guy who even came close. Is Oakland going to rally around them if they're good? Because every time we're watching an A's game together, there's no one there. Yeah, it's like 9,000 people. Literally. It's painful to watch. It's pretty bad. I don't know. Uh, The other weird thing is like in a few months, we're going to know when, like how many days left of the Coliseum we have. So I don't know. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time they give it one last hurrah for the – um, <laughs> Worst stadium in baseball. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> One last hurrah! Time to kick the shit bucket down the street. Yo, why not, man? That's our home. I I would like to see it happen. That'd be fun. All right. I, I'd fly home to see that. You'd fly home to see them uh, in the playoffs? Oh, no doubt. Really? Yeah. Why not? Yo, I I won't be in school. What if they play the Yankees? Ooh, oh, I guess you won't ooh. be. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh, that's weird to think about. Damn. It's <laughs> <laughs> got real. Yeah, way too real, way too fast. But if they play the Yankees, then you just come to the... What if you go to all the games? That would be so much fun. Yeah, so much fun to watch. So much fun. Yo, if the Mets or the A's make the playoffs next year, we're going. Yeah, I I think we've already said this on the podcast before. Yeah, pretty sure. Hopefully we can buy those tickets. Mm, Yeah. With money. I don't know. I'll take out... From jobs. I'll take out a mortgage on... That we have. Something. I don't know. I hope. Yeah. My fingers are crossed. Will we be employed? Let me know. TBD. Yeah. We'll be, right. making, we'll be making money off this podcast by then. <laughs> Let's just start reading ads. Uh, tipping Pitches is brought to you by Simply Safe Home Security. <laughs> tipping Pitches is bought, brought to you by Blue Apron Home Cooking. By SeatGeek. De- get 10% <laughs> off your first ticket purchase <laughs> with code tipping. <laughs> <laughs>
We've been running long. we got to wrap this up. All right. Yeah, that just about does it. Uh, thanks for listening. If you have a hotter take regarding Mike Trout or the artist formerly known as the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, True. let me know, I guess. You probably don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone really have strong feelings about the Angels? No. Nah. I don't even think Angels fans do. But would you? If you lived in L.A., would you have strong feelings about the Angels? No. If I was an Angels fan in L.A., I'd just be commiserating about the Dodgers all the time. Or I'd just be, like, going on with my life, enjoying things. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Tune in next week. Bye. Um, Cal's not that good this year. No. They, they lost your boy. Yeah. Now he's my boy, Davis Webb. I know. Wait, why is he your boy? He's on the Giants. Oh, is he really? Yeah. I don't really follow a lot of the guys. They wasted a fucking draft pick. They drafted him in like the fifth round. I'm like, it's Davis fucking Webb. <laughs> like, he's never going to see the NFL field for you. This is a football podcast now. Yeah.